Hello, I'm Sean. I'm an academic. And I'm Drew, a theatre director and choreographer. We know it sounds like the beginning of a bad joke. An academic and a choreographer walk into a bar. Yes, sounds like the beginning of the worst joke ever. But our unlikely friendship was born from a shared passion. We believe that theatre is the art of collaboration. And that can be hard with many confusing titles and departments. Yes, we have to not only understand what people do, but why they do it. And that's why we made the theatre blueprint. Each episode, I speak to a leading artist in their field. And shed light on the inner working of their department. There's so much to find out, so let's roll up our sleeves, put on our safety goggles, and start digging. You're really committed to this building metaphor, aren't you? Yes. Yes, I am. Let's get on with the show. In the next interview, we chat with the brilliant theatre designer E.M. Parry about how they build entirely new physical worlds to contain yet liberate our theatrical adventure. We'll learn how pivotal designers truly are to the unfolding of the audience's experience and how, like every other department, it relies on a small army to deliver. Welcome to the Theatre Blueprint podcast, Mel. Hello. It's so great to have you here. Could you please start with introducing yourself and how your job fits within the mechanism of theatre making. I'm Mal, pronouns they, them. I'm a set and costume designer. I'm trying to sort of remember to introduce myself as that in like, um, you know, sort of early meet and greets because there's this sort of culture of saying, oh, this there's the designer and then there's the lighting designer and the sound designer. And there's a, a weird hierarchy about it which is a bit uh, nonsensical so there, there are a lot of designers in theatre I'm the one that makes the things that, that people look at and wear and interact with physically well I don't usually physically make them I visualise them and then usually other people make them. There's like a design department isn't there and actually what we're learning about on this podcast is how all those different kind of creative identities come together to kind of you know world build. You mentioned just then about it isn't actually yourself that does the physical building so what is the process that idea goes through in order to kind of move from your brain to the opening night of a production that you might be working on? What is that process? A very long and, and complicated one. The first thing that we would do would be to me and a and a director usually would be to sort of sit down with the text or whatever the sort of blueprint is of of the story because theatre is becoming perhaps increasingly more adventurous of other forms and um, things aren't necessarily so sort of text-centric. I think traditionally we have a very text-centric um, kind of hierarchy of of theatre making in, in this country, uh, but that is, is being dismantled. But whatever it is that you're you're starting with, you're figuring out with a director how you want to tell that story, what, what you need to tell that story, and then that sort of informs the way the design might, might evolve. So, um, sometimes it kind of might start from a very kind of clear central image, perhaps, of a particular body in a particular kind of space, or perhaps it might start from, I don't know, a, a material. We might get very, very excited about like a particular kind of wood or a particular colour. Probably is informed a lot um, by the space that you might be be working in. There are there are so many different configurations of space in terms of what an audience's relationship to a work is you know the the audience might be looking at the story end on um they might be gathered all around it and i think the audience are always kind of in some sort of role and and relationship to a work aren't they so 
actually, yeah, probably kind of figuring out what that relationship is 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 fairly fairly key to those very very early conversations then a whole bunch of practical stuff happens what I find is very very necessary for me is to kind of keep going through the the text or the the play or, or whatever over and over again by myself with a director with other creative team members um and just telling that story uh to each other um in sort of increasingly evolved ways so yeah starting with kind of scribbles um sketches um then working with um with a model um and we sort of start to put things into that model sort of bits of card and little figures and move them around and tell a story in that way and then that helps us get to a more developed model so by the time we sort of deliver those those designs I would be delivering um a set of ground plans and and technical drawings uh, which would tell the um the production manager and the set builders ex- exactly how that that set gets gets built so they are they're scaled drawings they're sort of they're, they're sort of architectural drawings in in a sense um and drawings of perhaps kind of key props uh that that might need to be made um and I would be presenting a series of, of costume designs that would tell the costume supervisor and the costume makers exactly how I kind of want those uh, those characters to to look. Then uh, I would I would also do a model presentation where me and the director uh, might we would have we'd have the model and we would have a set of drawings and we'd probably have taken a bunch of different photographs of kind of little setups of of scenes so there is a sort of a sense of how that story is already going to be told um in miniature and um it's kind of it's one of those things that people would never get tired of like just miniature furniture and miniature people is always inherently magical so so that's that's a nice moment a kind of blueprint will already exist of of the piece um in the mind of myself and the director and I, I find that really crucial but yeah on a, on a practical level then those designs begin to be begin to be realized I would be working very closely with a lot of different different people people who build sets people who make props people who source props um people who supervise and um and create costumes and um yeah a costume supervisor and I would go shopping together a lot we'd we'd choose fabrics we'd um we'd choose clothes we'd um yeah we'd sort of we work very very closely um I work with a workshop so um once the once the designs are delivered uh they'll be sort of they'll be costed up and I might have to maybe sort of adapt some elements if we decide there are sort of more cost-effective ways to do things. Um, There are also people who know much more about building than I do and about making things safe and practical. And and so I then, you know, they they turn my sort of my drawings into build drawings that, uh, that can sort of 
be safely and, and effectively created. And so I'll have a lot of workshop visits. I'll go and sort of see the set at various different stages of, of construction. We'll get into rehearsals. A lot of stuff changes in rehearsals. You know, I've been kind of describing probably a, a fairly sort of traditional way of um of designing um, where a lot of stuff is worked out beforehand, uh, which is very sensible and very practical for a number of, of reasons. Increasingly in my work, I'm trying to find ways to bring performers into that conversation um, more effectively uh, because understandably as a performer, sort of turning up on day one and being told, okay, we've roughed all of this out in miniature and um, we've made a lot of decisions. And um, so uh, now we're going to recreate that uh, with with actual bodies. And, um, and this is what you're going to be wearing. For some productions, that is entirely necessary. Uh, but I think not always a very comfortable experience for a performer um and especially in terms of of costume right in terms of what um you what you're going to inhabit and wear right next to your skin and it's going to affect on a practical level it's going to affect the way you you move um but i mean we we tell so much when we when we clothe ourselves don't we um what somebody what somebody wears how they sort of choose to present themselves show up in the world or what is kind of imposed on them what is read uh through through how they are presented is so so important and um and and so yeah it feels incredibly uh important to to involve performers in those conversations and so uh at the moment actually on the the current job that I'm I'm doing, we had a period of of R and D before rehearsals started, where I had a sort of an idea of what the costume world was going to be like. In the R and D, that was very much informed by those particular people in a room, and that really sort of inspired my thinking. And then, and then I sort of developed those sort of individual costume worlds uh, for for each character. And then I had uh, sort of one to one conversations with them and my costume supervisor. Uh, and we sort of uh, made we created mood boards uh, that the performers were sort of invited to, to add to some of them kind of came in with their own mood boards I then went away and developed those designs further and the way that particular show is being designed uh, it's much more about sort of found costume items rather than things made from scratch so that means that in a costume fitting, we can have a lot of options. We've already kind of talked about the character's whole sort of journey um, and their their presentation and um, and who they are and why they might dress in particular ways and what that might sort of tell an audience uh, and and the other people in the story, and and we're then able to sort of draw from a from a wardrobe and and put something together very collaboratively that sort of that works. Um, for that that performer and that they have had um, input into creating and I think are able to then inhabit much more fully. I think it really does make a difference to to what those costumes end up looking like. Um, 
I think there's a difference between a costume that's been sort of externally imposed on on somebody and something that they have um, collaborated on themselves. Lots of ideas have come up that I would not have thought of just all by myself. And it would be lovely if I were able to work like that all the time. It's not always possible in the way that we make theatre. It does make things a bit more difficult in in some ways. So obviously we've arrived um, at that kind of final moment with the performers. They've got their costumes, their set's been built now. Can you talk to us a little bit about what happens to your design once you like arrive at the theatre? Can you talk us through like what that next bit is leading from when you arrive at the theatre to, to opening night? From that moment, I have a very intense frown of concentration on my face and I'm kind of somewhat looking at people on stage as though I'm kind of, I can see right through them because I'm scrutinising every sort of aspect of, of what they're they're wearing. Um, so it's probably quite an uncomfortable experience for a performer to be on that stage and, and look out and see this kind of row of scowling faces. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the look of, of love and care. It is a sort of gradual evolution through, through the process, but I, and I think as a designer, the interesting thing is that perhaps more so than in any other role, you are in very close contact with every single department. You, you're sort of at the centre of this kind of web and you have to interact and, and, and hopefully have very collaborative relationships with performers, directors, stage managers, set builders, costume supervisors, costume makers, uh, lighting and sound design um, and, and technicians and also producers, people talking about marketing you have a sense of how all of these things are kind of joining up perhaps more so than um some other people within that uh production process i will have seen all of these things evolving and coming together in usually separate rooms separate buildings one might assume that if you're working on a production in a theatre that everything will be done in that theatre but increasingly theatres are not able financially to do everything in-house anymore so you might not have a wardrobe department or a wardrobe team they the set might be being built by a external company elsewhere so you might be sort of traveling all around the country going to sort of different costume hire places going to visit a, a workshop um, somewhere the workshops are always out in the middle of nowhere then we all get in a room and Hopefully it looks like it did in the model, um, only 25 times bigger. There will be a lot of things that even at that stage are not finished. And um, the performers might have been working on a rehearsal set, but probably they'll have been in a room that is much, much smaller than than the theatre that is brightly lit, that has the set kind of marked out in different coloured tapes on the floor to kind of remind them where walls are and they'll have had sort of rehearsal versions of things that they have to kind of hold and use and and wear and and interact with and then all of a sudden like all of it is is there and they have to kind of over an incredibly short amount of time kind of get to grips with inhabiting the actual thing texts are very tiring yeah, kind of all, all bets are off in Tech Week. People who are 
partners and family of um of theater makers if if it's tech week just like forget about it you'll just see them on the other side um very very long days we will run through the show from beginning to end we'll be stopping every few minutes it's, it's all about figuring out um what the lighting, what the sounds, what the sort of interactions with physical material things are going to be, the practical things, the technical things. If someone's got to get changed in like 20 seconds at the side of the stage, um, how that's going to work, how we're going to kind of place all of their costume items so that they can step into a pair of shoes whilst a dresser is... um, helping them into a coat and someone else is like doing up some buttons and um, someone else standing by with a wig to put on their head uh all of that we we run through um then we do it again uh, <laughs> we're lucky if we get time and then we have dress rehearsals which mean we're basically running it as though it were an actual performance and we don't stop if something goes wrong but uh Tech and dress means that you have all of the physical elements there. You're figuring out how to use them. Um, hopefully you're doing it enough times that you get it right and you're, you're fixing things as they go along. People will have sort of costumes that maybe aren't quite finished or you will get to a moment that you realise you need to slightly rethink or restage or something needs to be altered or, or fixed. You're finishing it basically and um, then you show it to people you do a lot of note taking as well uh, I should say you at the end of um, of tech sessions there is uh, the actors get to go home and uh, everyone else stays and we we give each other other notes uh, the director gives a lot of notes and the designer gives a lot of notes traditionally for reasons that I think are all about power and gender people doing people working on costumes always seem to get left to last in note sessions. Um, I usually try and do my costume notes first. They often tend to be the most detailed and involved and often costumes need to be washed overnight. So um, giving costume notes first so that people can get on with the laundry and and go home is a nice thing to do for for your team, uh, <laughs> if you can. Um, and then people will um, will action those, those notes, uh, hopefully not right then and there because it's probably quite late at that point it's probably sort of nine or or ten at night you get a little bit of sleep and then um you come in first thing and you work on those notes so uh, around what the actors are doing on stage there's a whole team of of people finishing painting things fixing things tweaking and adjusting things that aren't ready yet or aren't working quite quite right yet uh so that yeah so when the actors arrive back on stage things have been have been changed and uh finessed uh so yeah you're you you're finessing and finessing and finessing and um everyone's quite tired and um and quite stressed a lot of the time um and um there's always like loads of packs of of haribo uh everywhere and um and it's dark you're in a dark room for days on end so your vitamin d levels go right down probably not eating properly and you're not seeing much daylight and um and you get very kind of tunnel vision so yeah it's it's important to get some fresh air and some daylight during tech and don't just don't just eat haribo bring fruit to tech people don't get tech scurvy
it's so funny listening to you talk because I feel like I wish people could see um, the video of us talking because I think if you hit, like if you were to read what you've just said written down, you'd imagine it was delivered with such kind of like doom and gloom. But like both of us are just grinning. I think it's just that kind of acknowledgement of such a shared experience, I guess, in that way. You speak with so much joy about things that I think normal people would be like, what on earth are they doing with their lives? And yet it obviously brings a lot of joy. What would you say your favourite part of your job is? Problem solving, I suppose, figuring out sort of moments of visual storytelling, you know, figuring out how someone interacting with an object or a, or a costume at a particular moment is going to just tell a story in a really satisfying way. You know, those moments kind of coming to you maybe like months before or, or maybe they'll come to you in a rehearsal or even sort of in a tech, you'll suddenly kind of see how to how to solve something. And yeah, that, that isn't uh, usually a solitary process, you know, that, that it's always a collaboration with all of the people you're you're working with. So the, the, the collaborative relationships, the collaborations and and getting to show it to people, because that's a collaboration as well, the, the sharing. I think I have a pretty good instinct at, at this point for how people are going to respond to things, uh, how things are going to sort of land with an audience um, and, um, and what is going to make sense to people. But you do still get surprised. Um, and so the sort of moment where you sort of show things to people and they sort of respond in ways that you hadn't quite expected that's um that's always fun well mal it's been so brilliant listening to you talk i mean one of my favorite things about this podcast is getting an insight into the way that people's brains work and yours is a particularly interesting and fascinating brain to to be listening <laughs> to so I, i'm really very very grateful for your time and um and i, I think that listening to you talk as like shed so much clarity and light onto the, the the design process so thank you so much for talking with us today thank you and um yeah thanks for thanks for letting me ramble um I, I think what I was becoming aware of as I was speaking is how non-linear the process of theatre making is um you know the sort of the image of like the spider in a web um or i think of it as a kind of circling round and round it's much more like a spiral you kind of keep coming round to the same point again and again and again um and you sort of you circle in on on the thing but um uh you know the the process that we have to go through in order to make something there is a linearity that is imposed on that. And I don't have a, a linear brain, as, um, as you might be able to tell from the way I speak. It is very difficult to talk about in a, in a linear way. So it's sort of, it's interesting to, to try. But, uh, but I think that is probably a, a takeaway that a lot of people making theatre are non-linear people living in trying to live in a linear world, but kind of using their superpowers of non-linearity uh, to, to get there. So theatre can be a rough place for people who don't think in straight lines, but it is also somewhere where their talents and skills and ways of thinking are sort of most needed and most appreciated, I think. Mal is such a generous person and Mal's empathy 
with everybody involved in the process. But also, I felt with Mal, there was such understanding of the vulnerability of performers, which, and forgive me to any designers listening, but sometimes designers come with how their vision should be enacted. And actually, Mal articulated really beautifully how important it was to ensure that the performers felt confident. And they really understood that the difference in lighting, the difference in the set, and how that would transform how the performer felt. So the techniques that they devolved for bringing the performer into that process was so open and really beautiful to hear. And isn't that all what we're all trying to do, right? Is find a way of being in conversation with the performer to be able to deliver a moment to the audience because in a way we want to be able to create work that can put that communication between actor and audience member at the front and, and put as little in between those two things as possible so hearing the way that that process is held and crafted is I think really important and, and inspiring. Definitely and it's not to say that a vision can't have the lead um, but it is that negotiation process and it is about understanding the negative impact and how you ameliorate those but basically just support the people who are going to feel at the most vulnerable to feel the most powerful so I thought that that was really quite inspiring to hear because you're right it is how we hope everything is done and we know it isn't so actually having somebody who can be that articulate about how they do it as well as why they do it yeah it's beautiful I also love the way that they advocated for people on their team in like one of the things that really I that really stuck out to me was just the simple knowledge of having an understanding that the team within the wardrobe department have got to go on and do a lot of work after a technical rehearsal in the way that the other teams don't you know we get to go home we get to go to the pub but the team in the wardrobe department are going off to you know clean and to launder and to sew and mend various things that have happened in the technical process so to realize that actually they could be a voice for that department and say hey it's tech notes and um, can we please do wardrobe notes first so that these people can go off and do their other thing and that's actually where you do realize that the process of being a, di a designer is is not just simply having an idea and using people to get that idea on stage it's about interacting with various different teams and again, through that idea of generosity, like uh, like you mentioned, uh, be able to give everybody the best possible opportunity to do their best work. Each week, I ask our guests the same question, and this is my favourite bit. I ask them, what does theatre mean to you and why is it important? I think theatre is about trying to figure stuff out with our bodies it's it's storytelling with with bodies in space in time which makes it a very intense shared experience um but uh it's not just telling stories um well, I think there's there's no just about telling stories. I guess um, the stories are important because uh, they are a way of 
figuring things out and um and I think challenging and changing things um changing the way we think and hopefully changing the world and to do that to do that in a shared moment of time and to do that with our bodies to be able to embody that storytelling and that thought process and that um that imagining of change and of other possibilities i think is one of the most powerful ways to tell stories it's not just telling stories it's living them and and being in them and um uh yeah to sound a little bit idealistic i do think that that kind of storytelling has kind of world changing potential um i think 90% of theater isn't that but uh i think there's that 10% of theater and perhaps there's a 10% in every piece of theater that is reaching for that in some way You've been listening to a Scratch Post production made in collaboration with the Pony Company and Goldsmiths, University of London. Music by Andre Rossi, made available by Upbeat.io. We'd love to hear from you and find out what you want to know about the theatre industry. You can interact with us at Blueprint Podcasts on Instagram and subscribe for our next episodes.